There's no one right way to life, wife, or parent. I'm an empty nester with a full life. I'm a young mom who's often running on empty. I am color in the lines. I'm running with scissors. I'm sensible shoes, sometimes taking myself far too seriously. I'm holding it together with three bobby pins and a lot of self-deprecating humor. I'm Aunt Mara. I'm Niece Kira. Together, we're Sandy and Shwani, bridging generations to pass down wisdom, uptake vitality, take whatever is bringing you down, and lift you up, exploring, empowering, and elevating. We're Mood Mood Mamas! Welcome to today's podcast with Sandy and Shwani, and we are the Mood Mamas. Today, we want to talk about boundaries, and I think boundaries sometimes get a bad rap. People are like, oh, she's got all these rules, and she's rigid, and she defines her territory, but I really think boundaries help us define ownership, who I am, what I'm responsible for. It's just like a screen door. It keeps the good in, the bad out, and we're the ones who set the boundaries. And when we don't clearly mark that boundary, that's when we can get into trouble. Absolutely. There are guidelines and rules that a person creates to interact with the world. But I think the problem is a lot of these boundaries that they're learned. They're built out of conclusions or beliefs and opinions, past experiences, social learning. They can be unique to each person, like a fingerprint, because maybe they haven't been taught how to interact and how to have that self-respect, but it will create more genuine relationships. If you can set these boundaries, genuine relationships, friends, family, coworkers, boss, all sorts of boundaries. Right. Because our boundaries are ours to enforce and people aren't mind readers. So we actually train people how to treat us. If we're willing to, to be walked over, people will walk over us. If we have a clear boundary, you know, no one can make us feel angry or, or guilty or shameful. That is something I feel like we generate those emotions based on whether or not we've held what's true for us, what's right for us. I mean, I'm not a Zen Buddhist person, so I do feel like I have these, these feelings, these indicators, we'll say, of that maybe... Like if I am angry, then that could be a sign I did not set my boundary or should articulate what's going on instead of going forward. Well, so let's talk about like the definition. What, what is a boundary? They are permissible ways for other people to interact towards us. How we will respond when someone passes those limits. So let's talk about different types of boundaries because it's not just words. It's just, it's not just physical space. So what do you think are different types of boundaries? So an interesting type of boundary, um, when I was doing research for this material boundary can be one where you would give or lend things such as money, cars, clothes, your tools, maybe to a neighbor, food, toothbrush, Cody will not share his toothbrush with me. Oh my goodness. It Good for not. him. Good for him. <laughs> his boundary is there. It doesn't matter if we're camping and I forgot mine. He's just like, sorry, babe. You know, 11 years of marriage and he will not share that toothbrush. 
<laughs> You're out there with a twig curve. scraping the scum off your teeth. Seriously. <laughs> He's like, I'll still kiss you, but next time remember your own toothbrush. <laughs> um, there's physical boundaries, so personal space, privacy, body. Oh my gosh. Have you ever been with someone whose bubble you know, we all have a bubble of privacy. And actually, I, I've heard that in America, ours is much bigger than in other countries. If you get to some of those South American countries, like they are very comfortable being close. I, we were talking with a friend who had lived in Bolivia. He said the people would talk to you and he's like, they would be like playing with your belt buckle. Like, he's like, they were playing with my belt buckle while they talked to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like, oh, that's too close. That's too close. <laughs> I mean, I've been in a restaurant before. There were all these tables. We were out sitting outdoors and all of a sudden this family came up and they picked the table right next to us. Though there was an entirely large space. And then they started speaking German and all of a sudden it clicked like, oh, they don't have those boundaries. You know, when you're at a civil office building, people are sitting every other chair or every five chairs if they can. We're not huddled up together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, and bubbles, right? And in Europe, people join you at your table. Very foreign concept. In fact, we have a new place called Chin Rough Tacos, and they all they have is like these long picnic tables, and people do come join you. And it's a very different experience for us as Americans. I'm just like, is this model going to work? Are you guys going to stay in business? Your food is good, but if I have to sit with a stranger, <laughs> depending on the stranger, but that's really interesting. I think there's a place in Bear Lake like that, that they're just long tables and the line is really long. So you want to sit by other people because you want to eat. But yeah, yeah that, that's an interesting model for sure. <laughs> okay, so there's that physical boundary. Physical boundary, mental boundaries, your thoughts, your values, opinions, easily suggestible. Yeah, or are you subject to people dumping? It's almost like we need to have a little sign in our mind that says this is not a dumping ground because as we've talked about with those mirror neurons, we can be affected by people's moods. And so if we don't keep a boundary up, we can get sucked down into somebody's whirlpool of sadness or shame or, you know, into their story. And it totally can ruin your whole day. Okay. Can we, can we tangent on that for a minute? Tell me more about this dump, like it, uh, not a sign because right now you're just resonating with me. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've got so much other <laughs> like problems that are not my own, which I don't mind helping, but seriously, how can I just help my friends without wanting all of that negativity? Yeah. Well, I think that's going to definitely be a future podcast talking about how we validate people without actually taking on their stuff. We'll, I think we'll talk about some future um, phrases that we can use to acknowledge what's going on with them, but keep keep the ball in their court. And so maybe think of it as like a tennis match. You know, somebody's going to volley something onto your side of the court. You're going to send it right back with even just something as simple as really, that sounds rough. What are you going to do about it? Instead of me taking on what am I going to do about it? Like just serve that ball right back into their court, obviously with empathy and, and validation, but I've never had a conversation like that. I'm thinking, we got this. We're going to go X, Y, and Z. Like, I've built a plan for you. Here's an Excel <laughs> spreadsheet of how we're going to fix your life. Like, obviously, <laughs> I need better boundaries. Because <laughs> maybe they didn't even ask for it. And that was actually part of the research with this, is that giving advice could be a sign that you don't have strong boundaries. Like, they're not asking for it. I'm, I'm inflicting on other people's boundaries and they're inflicting on mine. So I need to get some better boundaries, I think, here. And somebody like me who 
loves to share information. Oh, I, you know, I read something. I, I'm a helper. I, what I've had to learn is to ask permission. Well, would you like a suggestion? Would you like my opinion on that? Asking permission gives someone that ability to open that door and invite you in. And then they're much more likely to listen to what you are suggesting. And this is really important with kids too. You know, if you tell a kid how to solve a problem, they're going to turn and almost do the exact opposite, right? Yes. <laughs> so yes. by getting their permission or saying, have you thought about this? Or have you tried that? Or what have you tried? So you're trying to draw them into recognizing that they are the problem solver, not that, that you are the one who's always going to solve their problems. Well, then it empowers their relationship. So and then the boundary has that positive uh, interaction. It has that positive result. Boundaries aren't bad. You're not a, a jerk for having boundaries. I think I'm a jerk for not. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in your mind, I think it's good to visualize what kind of boundary, physical boundary you do have around your energy. You know, for some people, if you're really empathic, you might need like a castle wall with a moat around it and, you know, alligators in there and you decide when you put down the, the drawbridge. And for other people, they can just have a nice little picket fence with flowers and it's just a little gate that swings and says, welcome. It just depends on what's going on in your life, how strong you're feeling, how much energy you've got to give. And also, how susceptible are you to the moods of others? Are you able to let Highly it Highly suggestible. Yeah. Are you, are you allowed to wash through, <laughs> through you? Do you have the skills of emotional hygiene to rinse and ground after you finish with somebody. I mean, this is a writing of the time I went and shopped for mine and Cody's mattress. So we're at mattress firm and I see the two people and there's no one else in this store. And I'm like, Oh no, like I am easily highly suggestible. I don't watch television and except for once a year, that's like the Super Bowl. And afterwards I want a Big Mac and a Kit Kat and I want a new car. <laughs> like I just, I, I don't watch things. commercials. So I don't <laughs> I tell them, okay, you can't talk to me. And they look at me with surprise, these two uh, salespeople. And I said, I'm highly suggestible and I'm going to make up my own mind. And if I have any questions or need information about these products, then I will come and get you. And <laughs> they were like, okay. boundary. Good for you, knowing yourself well enough that you wanted to make your own decision. Bravo. Well, after I decided she came over, she actually found a cheaper one for me when I was asking questions. So I'm like, okay, so mattress firm totally kicked butt at respecting my boundary. That is so powerful that you <laughs> knew yourself well enough to say, you know what, please st stand back until I have a chance to, to survey the situation and know what interests me or what's the best thing for me. And then, then I'll ask for your input. Bravo. <laughs> Thank you. I'm really good at salespeople apparently, but you know, family, friends, that's a little bit of a gray, little gray area. So one of them also is emotional boundaries. So whether or not you're responsible for somebody else's emotions, what you talked about before that you're responsible for your own, but the other people are also responsible for their own. I think one of the reasons this is so important is because as we talked about in, in an earlier podcast, the body doesn't lie. This is fascinating, but microbes are actually attracted to certain emotions. So when we have a lack of boundaries, when we feel our space is being invaded in the real world, we actually are attractive hosts for parasites. It's really interesting because, you know, you can be exposed to someone who has a cold. Maybe there's 10 people in the room. How many people are going to actually catch that cold? The reason some people do and some people don't, honestly, is their vibrational energy. 
Viruses are attracted to feelings of unworthiness and bacteria is attracted to guilt. And it can be small G guilt. It doesn't have to be like, you know, I, I robbed a bank or anything, but it's our emotional state that allows those microbes to come in. The other interesting thing is that fungus is attracted to resentment. You'll see like fungus toes, you'll see athlete's foot or candida, you know, yeast infections and things like that. That is based on our emotional state. So if you, if you have any of those symptoms, you might want to ask yourself, where am I feeling invaded? Who, who do I feel is taking advantage of me? Who's coming into my space? Whether they're asking for a physical need, you know, maybe it's somebody who's wanting money or is it that they're wanting your time or they're turned you into a dumping ground for their emotions. And we see that a lot in families. I, you see the dynamic with uh, children having to be a mother to their own mother. Right, right. I've seen that a lot. That's really interesting that your body is having those microbes and it's picking up. So resentment, do you think that that could be built because you're not setting the right boundary? That you're, so you're angry about it, you're holding on to this. How would you go about fixing that? Well, so aware, awareness is key. Obviously, when you feel that after you've been with somebody or after you've, you've done something to help and you feel bitter or angry or resentful about it, that's, that's a clue. It's like, okay, obviously now I recognize somehow a boundary has been invaded. It's interesting how our nature, some of those qualities we talked about can affect how we respond. So like for me, I, my Enneagram is a loyalist, which means I'm loyal to my beliefs. I'm loyal to my friends. Loyalists will just hang on. We'll go down with the ship. We will hang on to bad relationships far longer than other types because we don't want to be abandoned or without support. So I ended up having this neighbor lady and she would always say, oh, you're my adopted daughter. And I loved helping her. And then the demands got more and more and more unreasonable. And she was just sucking the life out of me. And finally, my husband says to me, you know, you're really lucky that I'm not an abusive husband. And I said, what do you mean? And he's like, you are totally being abused by her. She is taking advantage of you and you, you're not having any boundaries with her. That was such a revelation to me. I didn't even recognize it because I, she was manipulating me with this mother daughter role. You know, my mom was away and and unavailable. And so this woman, it was like, I couldn't tell her no, because it would be like telling my mom no. Which is a good point. So parent boundaries, relationships, how would you tell your mom no? I mean, what's interesting about this too, is you're such a strong woman. You can speak your mind, you're assertive, but yet she was able to manipulate that situation. She was able to make you feel guilty to serve her needs. And maybe she wasn't even doing it maliciously, but no, but no, she just was unreasonable. So I had a client who came in complaining. She said, if I don't do something, nothing gets done. And her, her natural nature is a helper. That's in, in the Enneagram. And when they're healthy, they're loving, they're generous, they're considerate. But then when they get in the unhealthy range, they are people pleasers with poor boundaries. And she said, I, I just can't tell anyone no. So then we had to, to go through this process. What would happen if you told someone no? And she said, I, I would fear of disappointing them or hurting them. You know, people would be unhappy with me getting to the bottom of they won't love me. And so when she gave, when she didn't really want to, she felt taken advantage of and unappreciated. 
and really alone. And so it made me think of this study that was done at Duke University. So they invited these participants in and some of them were gonna get $5 to participate, some were gonna get 50 cents, and some were going to do this study for free. So all they, they had a computer monitor there and all they had to do, there was a circle on the left side and a square on the right side. And all they had to do was take a mouse and drag those circles into the squares, okay? And then as soon as they did, it was like it disappeared and then there was another one. So they were asked to, to drag as many circles as they could just in five minutes. So who do you think dragged the most? The $5, the 50 cents, or the people who did it, who received nothing? Free, the free people. Okay, you're so right. So the $5 people, they dragged an average of 159 circles. The 50 cent group was 101, so about a third lower. And the group who received nothing dragged 168 circles. It shows that money isn't a motivator. I mean, I know that's a small dollar amount, but even when nonprofit organizations go out into the community, they, they might ask a lawyer if they would you know, help with their services well, or things. Now. And would, would you slash your price? Would you give us a discount? Most professionals say no because they know what they're worth and it doesn't feel good. But if they go back and they ask them to do it for free, the answer is usually an overwhelming yes. Really? Yeah, because people want to be the hero or they want to be the helper in the story. And that feeds our identity of who we are. So it, it Flashing changes it. a price would devalue you then. Like you know your worth. But you would feel free. taken advantage of instead right. of that joy of giving freely. That's really good psychology right there. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was working with my client, what we, we needed to shift to was that she could say, I'm safe to do as much or as little as I want. Getting to that core truth of I'm loved for myself, not for what I do. And the truth is when we, when we put a boundary up, it's going to actually, when we shift into a new role of doing that, it's going to make other people feel uncomfortable. And we have to be comfortable with their uncomfortableness because basically they've had a hole that we've been trying to fill. And now we're asking them to have to deal with that themselves. And it's not, we can help with that hole by validating. Yeah, I do. I do see a hole there, but then we give them back the responsibility for their life. I mean, I like that empowerment. I'm with you there, but just being uncomfortable with the, the people that are like, if you've always been the one that solves all their problems, how do you how do you not do, do you think there should be an explanation okay so what's coming to my mind is my mother-in-law we've always had a little bit of a tempestuous relationship but we've gotten better we've worked through our differences but there have been times in the past where cody and i were the problem solvers basically what you're asking is how do i say yes how do i say no and right. how do i how do i keep my boundary let's start with how do i say yes i feel like we should never just say yes immediately. That should be almost like a hard and fast rule. That's just to make sure that saying a yes to someone else isn't saying no to ourselves, right? Right. So you just need to have your set phrase, which is validating the request. There's a funeral. Will you make funeral potatoes for this funeral? Oh my gosh, I would so love to. Let me check my calendar and I will get back to you. Or can you take my kid? So you use that, let me check my calendar phrase. Or let me check our calendar. So it, it gives you a little bit of space instead of, well, we'll just pull out your phone and look. You know what? I've got to check in with my husband's calendar. I've got to see what's on the calendar. So right. let the calendar create that wall or that boundary to protect you. I guess, obviously, you know, if someone says, do you want to go get ice cream? Say yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
exactly. Always. I don't have to check my calendar over ice cream, but. <laughs> and prioritizing maybe what's already on the calendar. You've already said yes to these funeral potatoes. How do you make these funeral potatoes as well? <laughs> In that yes, also, maybe you're not the person to do it. If you check your calendar and you can't do it, so maybe this is part of the how to say no. It's like, oh my gosh, I would so love to watch your kids and that's not going to work for me. Okay, that's the next magic phrase in the how to say no. That's not going to work for me because that's a non-negotiable statement. If it's not going to work for me, it's not going to work and you can't convince me that it's going to work for me. So that's a really good way to do it. But then we can also add things and I would love to help you next week or and I was thinking the neighbor has kids your kid's age. Maybe she could just do it. She's already home. So we can offer to connect them to someone else who can help it. We don't have to solve we the problem. We don't have to be the one. It. And also with that boundary, I think in families, sometimes I think you have to have some respect in the marriage relationship. I mean, a lot of people have mother-in-law issues. I had a hard time. If I was the one who said no, it felt like there was going to be some backlash. And so I just told my husband, you know what, you're going to be the one to communicate the yeses and the noes. So we'll talk about it. And so that's why I would say, oh, you know what, we'll talk about that and we'll get back to you. We'll check the calendar. And then I would let him be the messenger. <laughs> he could be the bearer of bad news. And, and he never got the backlash, but no, I did. No, the, the relationship would be entirely different because it's his mom. Like it's, they have a, you know, that's blood, you know, that's that relationship. And so you're managing it through leveraging it, I guess, through your husband. Which is great because then he validated my boundary, what was safe for me. There are some people who are not safe. We are not safe with. And I guess that's, is it allowable to distance or disconnect yourself from an unhealthy family or other relationship? You know, with the woman I talked about, the, you know, adopted mom, at a certain point, I had to really step away. And at the same time, recruit other people. And so instead of her turning to me for every little thing, we brought in a network of people. And so there were more people that she could call and there were more people that could visit her. And there were more people who could, you know, go to lunch with her and do all of these things. And I was able to step back and not feel guilty because I was still connecting her to resources, but I didn't carry that burden of, oh my gosh, it's all on me. I think that that's better, right? You were able to support, instead of you having to be the only support, you were able to give her multiple reasons that maybe that could support better even in certain situations. Like you weren't the only one that would be tapped out at that point. So a lot of this keeps reminding me of work and how to have better boundaries at work. So when you said, check your calendar first, don't be someone that just says yes. I ran into some situations where I was just this yes person. Like, I think I operate from the idea that they would do it for me. Do you think that that's a false narrative? If I'm thinking, well, they would help me out, so I should help them out. Oh, gosh. I don't think you should shift that paradigm. That's a wonderful worldview to think that as I give and I lift and serve, that it's going to come back to me. So don't, you don't want to change that. However, you do need to look at that person and are they really the type who will reciprocate or not? Right, right. Let's say I've got a whole bunch of projects on my plate and somebody comes up and says, hey, I need you to do this project. It's really important and it needs to be done tomorrow. How do I say no? I mean, there's the, there's, 
okay, let's say I said I need to check my calendar. Would at that point would I employ it's just not going to work? <laughs> well, it depends. Is this your boss or is this a coworker? Ah. The boss gets to direct your actions at work. And so then maybe he's not aware of all the other things that you're working on. So you say is this a priority over uh, the, maybe these other three things, tasks that I'm working on? Can you help me? So invite them to be a helper with you. Can you help me identify which is the, the top priority for you? Then you're feeling like you're collaborating instead of being taken advantage of. So sometimes we can just give them a flat. That's not going to work for me. And other times we need to incorporate them into a little bit of a worldview of what we're actually dealing with, what is on our plate. So what they say? Well, that's important too. Then again, can you help me identify the timeline? Because this is the amount of hours that I have, you know, allocated this, here. Right. This is this is what I have to give. And again, I need your help to identify which order you want this done in. I did come across an example where somebody went into their boss and they said, "Okay, I want us to both make lists of what you think my priorities or my job duties are, and then we'll come back and we'll we'll meet on them." And then this way you would almost always find discrepancies, but you'd be able to prioritize obviously what your boss is hiring you to do. And then maybe he would also see all of these other things and either knock stuff off your list, or he would realize, wow, you are helping out in all of these different ways. This is really the priority though. And so again, being able to offer an alternative. We talked about that and is a very connecting word. It's like, I can see this as a real priority for us. What are our other options if I'm not able to? So help brainstorm with them. Could so-and-so do it? Or can I get that back to you on Wednesday instead of tomorrow? Right. I don't want to work the weekend, but I can give you time on Monday where this project could be done. And that's really important to have that boundary to separate work and home because otherwise you do end up being so depleted. You know, you can't work all weekend and come back recharged. And so then you can just kind of use the rule idea. You know what? I have a rule that I don't work weekends. I have a rule. I only, when I'm on vacation, I only check my email and my messages at 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. Yeah, I'm not going to be available all day. So you, you use the rule thing. And again, that's kind of non-negotiable. Like if I have a rule, you're going to have a hard time talking me out of it. It helps us have that better boundary. I heard an interesting idea about this rule of three. So sometimes when we are in a situation with someone who repeatedly treats us poorly, I think it's nice to have a way of handling that. So my kids say, mom, you really like confrontation. And I said, no, I don't like confrontation. I like conflict resolution. I need to speak up for myself, whether that's if I am at a restaurant and my food is cold or I'm unhappy with something, I will speak up and, and just let the waiter know, you know, this is unsatisfactory to me. And a lot of times they'll give you your meal free or they'll give you a gift card to come back because they don't want to lose your business and they respect that. Instead of me going around being angry and then telling, you know, 10 people, don't go to that restaurant because they serve cold food or, you know, I had a terrible experience. They, people do want to make things right. So I always focus on it's conflict resolution. So let's talk about people whose behavior bugs you. Maybe you have this friend and every time you meet up, she's like 10, 20 minutes late. Or maybe you, as couples, you go out with some people and like, they're always kind of at each other and it makes you feel really awkward and uncomfortable. They kind of fight in front of you. Again, people only respect boundaries they know are there. And we don't want to look like we're reactionary 
this rule of three is a great resource to help us. What we could do is maybe the first time the friend's late, you just notice, you notice how you felt. Okay, I felt irritated. I felt dis disrespected. The second time you recognize, hmm, this might be a potential pattern, right? And then you can start formulating your planned response if, it's, if it happens again. So the third time, that's when you can confidently speak up. You just say, you know, I've noticed something. The last three times that we've scheduled, you know, to have lunch or meet up, I've noticed that you show up a little bit late and I want to discuss it with you. And so this way the person knows that you're not just flying off the handle for no reason. And then you can act with confidence knowing this isn't just in my head. Like, was she late? Was she not late? And so I guess there's that thing. Do I say it the first time or do I need the rule of three? Like for me, I'm going to let something go the first time. I don't know that I can wait till the third time. I could just say, you know, when we schedule, it's, it's hard for me to talk about, I messages like I feel unappreciated or I feel disrespected when you're late right and not the you message you're always late you don't like me you don't respect me <laughs> I, I really like that I think that at that point then it honors the friendship being your friend is authentic that you're gonna tell me when I have crossed a line and how I can do that better I would hate the idea that you would just be sitting or somebody else even would be sitting there stewing like oh you're always late. You know, if I, if I knew that there, there was that issue, then I would want to mitigate that as the friend, not, not take it personally more. I would take it personally if I didn't have a way to fix it and that yeah. they weren't telling me and it was just harboring there. And yeah. I had no idea. It doesn't honor the friendship by being inauthentic. And I think those I messages allow us to tap into the feelings, which the feelings are what get us stuck or again, to track those bad microbes that we don't want. Whether we're I have so many colds because of you. Or not good <laughs> enough. So we, we notice what we feel and nobody can refute that. You know, if I feel disrespected, I feel it. it I, I didn't say you're disrespecting me and there's a right. big difference. So the other person doesn't feel attacked. Assertive, I think is a good word. Assertive also can have a negative connotation of like aggressive. How will I know if I'm being assertive versus coming across aggressive? So you mentioned I statements, feelings, staying there. Are there any other differences do you think between like, because I, I don't go searching for conflict either, but I, what you said really resonates where it's like, I would rather resolve this, but what if I'm making a mountain out of a molehill? <laughs> like, maybe that's where the rule of three comes in. I think honesty too. If you even said to me, I might be making a mountain out of a molehill here. Help me see, am I looking at this correctly? That honesty and that, if you want to keep that relationship, I think makes a huge difference. I do have a friend that says to speak your truth. Like she says that it doesn't matter the situation. She's speaking her truth. She's operating from a place of honesty and her perspective that has value. And even if it's not reality, it's still important speaking her truth. Okay. So I think a lot of this also comes through the way you would value yourself and your intrinsic value. How can you, okay. What if I'm just in this pot of stew and I'm thinking, wow, I have no boundaries. I have a low self-esteem. I am not assertive, but I really want these things because they sound so nice. What are good baby steps? I love this quote by Brene Brown. She says, daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves, even when we risk disappointing others. I think the first step is to recognize that I have worth. 
I get to choose how other people will interact. I get to train people how, how they will treat me. I guess the question is, how do you learn to identify that you do have worth or value? Because you talked about, we, we have these patterns or beliefs that happen to us as a child by how we were treated and how, how the people, our authority figures, our nurturing figures treated us. Right. So if we have these patterns of belief, what if I was never allowed to change my mind? So I've set up these plans. I have to now follow through with them. But what if I really don't want to? Is that a boundary I could set with enough time in advance of like, I really don't want to do this? <laughs> um, well, I think you can go back to using the no statement, which is, you know what? I've looked at my schedule. And I just realized this isn't going to work for me. And I think it's healthy sometimes to take a break from people. I mean, there are times where you have to break up with people and there are times when you can just take a, a healthy pause, then readdress it. I actually had to do that with a good friend of mine. It was interesting. I always felt like because of her issues that she would respond to some comments that I would make too reactionary. We were pulling up at my house and I said, you might want to park in the driveway. And she got all angry, like, don't tell me where to park. I could sense that because I'm pretty good at reading people's energy. So then I said, you might want to park in my driveway because they're chip sealing the road. You have this nice new car. I would hate for anything, any rocks to get flipped up on it or the tar to get on your car. And then she calmed down. But it really bothered me that her first assumption was that I was just trying to boss her around. You know? Yeah. You, you mentioned sometimes you have to break up with a friend. How would you do that? How would you set your boundaries? Like, let's say they've been violated way too many times. You've had to mitigate a lot of the conflict actually to sustain them and to sustain the relationship. Okay. Now you've decided this is, this is not going to work. This is toxic. I need to break up with you. Well, I think it's good if you can give an example because, you know, I think the worst thing ever in a relationship is when someone says that this just isn't working for me. And you're like, well, what about you? Yeah. It's me, not you. And you're like, well, what did I do wrong? What did, how can I fix this? That sends you into a terrible spiral. So just to say, you know what? It's been really hard for me because I always feel like you're assuming the worst about me. And I want to spend time with someone who values what I bring to the relationship. And so I just think maybe we should take a break and decide if we are actually adding value to each other's lives. And I don't know how long that's going to be. Let's just take a little break and see if we miss each other. I really like that. That, that is really helpful. And so we actually did do that. We took about a year and a half off. Then my daughter was getting married and I wanted her to know. And so I sent her a wedding invitation. She responded and we just started tiptoeing back into this relationship, you know, just dipping a toe in here and dipping a toe in there and kind of decided there were parts that we really still liked about each other, but obviously not too much time together. So, you know, we'll go on a bike ride or we'll just do something kind of neutral and find the joy in the relationship, but also be cautious. You know, it's like we both have a boundary up and it's like, I just want you to, I just want you to know I've got your back. If I suggest anything and then I need to remember that for her, I need to, to give her a reason why I'm giving her instruction or I need to ask permission. Because you're deciding to communicate and err on the side of communication, then maybe you guys could, I mean, you guys obviously are able to be friends. Otherwise, maybe your personalities would be just too different that you couldn't be alike. You couldn't even have the joyful moments because it's like, well, it comes with this onslaught of everything else. 
by advocating for yourself, knowing those boundaries, then you could be friends with anyone, really. Everyone. <laughs> this is the key to friendship. The world will now have friends if they can just communicate. Well, and I think communicating in families is important too. This is harder. This, this is, is harder. <laughs> but again, harder. those boundaries are going to help us have a happier energy when we are together. We had moved away from our in-laws. And so when we came, they were very upset if we didn't want to spend every minute with them. And yet we, we had lived in this area. We had tons of friends that we still wanted to stay connected with and see. And so what we actually started doing is we would write up an itinerary for the week and we would just email that off to them. So they knew and maybe that was just all they needed was to know, okay, well, we get you Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and maybe Monday and Wednesday, we were going to go out with other people. They also suggested, you know, we would love for you to have your friends over. Well, we didn't know that. So some of the people that we thought that they might enjoy, we would invite them over to dinner at their house when we were visiting. Then they could participate in that relationship. And so we found these ways to honor all they wanted was us. And, and our time. And I get that. I get that. But we still had the right to keep those connections with other relationships. This is exactly like when Clary moved away. The first day that she comes back, she was supposed to be staying at my house. And all of a sudden she had all of these plans. And I had to realize like, well, not only did she move away from me, right? It's not just about me and my family, but she had friends here. She had coworkers here, a whole other life in this state. Now that she's in Colorado, she's going to want to see all of these people. So I was actually able to say, I need to manage my expectations here mm -hmm. because I thought, oh, I planned out all these fun adventures for us and you have other plans. <laughs> so we do talk now. She tells me who she's staying with. She asks if she can stay certain days and, and not others. She, we've had her friends come over and had game nights at our house, but there's now not that, I guess, what could have been resentment or what could have been hurtful to our relationship as sisters if we did if I didn't tell her these things <laughs> and it was hard to say because it was like but I just want you to be with me <laughs> I love you so much and it's okay to ask for what we want so in that she is the one who had to have a boundary I mean it's okay for you to say I would want to spend every minute with you and she got to validate that and say, I love you too. And I want to see these friends. And so, you know, making those accommodations and then, you know, what, what time is yours. And then really in the relationship, just honoring and respecting that commitment. So really when we, that's why it's so important not to just say yes, automatically, when we make a commitment, we need to honor it. And then people will know that right. and they will value that. And they'll know that they can trust us to be real with them, that they can trust us to be present with them. And then we have that happy, healthy relationship. I came across something. It was talking about kids. I say to Bells all the time, I need you to do this. It was saying a more powerful statement could be, I want you to do this. I think it's important for us to use words to identify what we need. So it's okay to say, you know what? I noticed when I asked you to pick up your toys, you rolled your eyes. In the future, when I ask you to do something, will you please look at me and smile and say, okay, mom, that would be, you know, teaching her how to be respectful. That would be teaching her how to be responsible. I think it's really important that we can use the words in the future with a friend, with a family member. If you want to change the dynamic, we need to set that intention and send that energy out into the future by saying in the future, would you please, or next time, could we do this? And so we create this future boundary. It's nice. It's kind of like sending this 
little energy field into the future to hold space for something that needs to change. Okay. I like that. I like that. So marriage boundaries, relationship boundaries like that, ones that you think, well, we've been together for so long. This is how I operate. This is how you're going to respond. What if you're starting to recognize that maybe you don't have the best boundaries in your marriage, though you love them. What are some boundaries that are healthy to have in relationships? Well, boundaries are help are healthy in every relationship. I guess you have to look at what isn't working for you and why isn't it working. Look at the feelings that happen because of how you're being treated or not treated. So if you start to feel resentful or angry, that would be an indicator that you need to set a boundary or speak up and ask for something that you need. We had to have a conversation about texting and driving. It wasn't really actually texting. It was his incessant need to clear off those little red circles that are at the bottom that say, I either have an email, I have a text, whatever is going on. <laughs> like having that conversation saying, I don't feel safe. Would you please adjust how, how you're doing that? And then feeling heard and just being able to say, you know, if, if that happens in the future, just being like, is this a 911? You know, just reminding that we have an agreement that whoever's driving isn't going to look at their phone. It's not the dishes. It's what the dishes stand for. <laughs> Cody and I have a moment just like that, that he'll bring up. It's, you know, instead of it looking like there was disrespect, he wasn't thinking that if he got a cup out and he just put it on the counter instead of doing the dishes, that that was a, a big deal. He was like, well, I was going to use it later. Having conversations like that. Cody wasn't doing it maliciously. He was not trying to frustrate me. That's why communication is so important because he has no idea. That's part of that boundary. People aren't mind readers. He didn't know what that was meaning to you. Right, right. They can be personal and different and boundaries will be different by the person. So I think the biggest indicator is if we have that conversation, that crucial conversation, and the person is unwilling to change. That is what gives us our signal. This person is not safe and I am free to step away. I am free to distance myself or completely remove myself from that situation. I mean, sometimes Cody does not shut the bathroom curtain and it keeps it all wrapped up there at the end. And I said, hey, babe, that could get mold. Could we try to remember in the future to open up the shower curtain and let it air dry? Okay. <laughs> no, he's still doing it. And I just... Sometimes I say something and sometimes I don't because I don't want to nag. And he's so great about other things. But I guess my boundary is really not the shower curtain. It's just like, if it gets mold, then we'll have to buy a new one. Maybe right. that's it. And then there's some things that they're just not worth battling. You know, I used to get the clothes all washed and folded and then I would put it on the kid's bed for them to put away. And guess what? They'd come in and they would just shove it off onto the floor or they, it wouldn't get put away nicely. And I, then I would feel so unappreciated. And I realized, okay, this is dumb. That really isn't teaching him that much responsibility. I'm just going to put the clothes away. I'm just going to take right. them all the way and put them in the drawer. And then I wasn't frustrated. I wasn't upset. They weren't cheapening you anymore. You were able to give that freely. Exactly. I was just giving it freely. So if you reframe that or, or learn to laugh about it, we had this shower head 
it, I was super, super high. I, well, every time I would get in the shower, the, it was one of those wands that you could put in or take it down. And it was down. And I said, why? Why? Because it was so, I had to get on my tippy toes and I could, had to readjust it every <laughs> single time. I'm like, why is he doing this? So finally I asked him, I'm like, why is that coming down every single day? And he said, just to bug you. I was like, okay, he's such a jokester. And he said, no, if I leave it up there, it drips water on me and when I'm driving off in the shower. So I just bring it down. But when I understood his rationality, instead of he's trying to torture me or just bug me. <laughs> so now actually when things bug me, like, you know, splattered toothpaste on the mirror or whatever, I just think in my head, I'm just doing that to bug you. And then it makes me laugh. And recognizing I would rather have him there splattering the mirror than not be there, you know? I love him. Oh, I love that. That's super cute. Okay. So do we have any takeaways that we want to recap? I learned that I can just say instead of yes, immediately, like, yes, you know, I would love to do that. Let me check my schedule. Perfect. I love the two parts of that. Honoring the request. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for trusting me with that. Okay. How to say no. Just guttural. No. <laughs> That's not going to work for me. That's not going to work for me. Yeah, that's not going to work for me. And we don't and we don't always have to give an explanation why. Sometimes it's just not going to work for me. And please ask me again or and do you want me to help you brainstorm someone else that might be able to do that? Like we can still be a helper even when we say no. Right. And that when you say no, you're saying yes to yourself. There you go. There you go. People respect boundaries that they know are there. And when we make it into a rule, it makes it easier for us to protect that boundary as well. The boundary is for everyone's benefit. Those healthy boundaries create the healthy relationships and healthy relationships make all of us happy. We like being happy. The indicator that you should set a boundary, there's something there. You don't have to deal with that resentment alone. You can actually advocate for yourself and maybe most likely because you pick good people to be around. I'm sure your friends would want to make sure you feel safe and your family would want to make sure that you feel valued. And so if you start feeling angry or resentful, speak up to honor that relationship and to honor yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm worth loving, not just for what I do but because of who I am. Yes, you are. <laughs> you too. <laughs> and thanks for listening. We are ready. Moomas. Cody did say the other day, did you say moo? Like, no, I didn't say I know. Mood. 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 Mamas. My fault, not her. She does it much better than me. <laughs> We are the Mood Mamas.